indescribable podcast Adam, Todd, and Lindy Post one indescribable podcast They'll recap CXG On one indescribable podcast They'll share their points of view and in this one, we'll meet Rebecca looking for happiness moves to West Covina. But of course, not for just that would be crazy. But okay, she's stalkerish and Paula mistrusts her. Now, onto our brand new podcast where we bring all of our hot takes. here this is real this is live we're doing this this is not a drink this is oh my god i don't know how to speak i don't know how to say anything because i'm so freaking excited to talk today about crazy ex-girlfriend you are listening to one indescribable podcast where we are talking through the hit CW show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, episode by episode, all 62 of them, on this incredible adventure. I am Adam H. here to talk with you. And with me, for this whole crazy, ridiculously crazy, some would even call it insane, who would do this exciting adventure? Two of my very good friends. First, welcome his podcast debut, Todd the Librarian. Todd, how are you? I'm here. That's how I am, Adam. Yeah. I'm happy to be here, too. Excited. You're Nervous. absolutely here. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. I'm so excited to talk. We talk so much about so many like you know, crazy, ridiculous things, and now here we are on a podcast talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Who would have thought? I mean, we've been saying for months, it's been the running joke. You know, when are we going to start our podcast? When are we mm-hmm. going to start our podcast? But we had trouble coming up with an idea of what we would want a podcast about, you know. And uh, infamously, there was the uh, the Clue podcast idea where we just get a clue with Adam and Todd. Yes, get a clue with Adam and Todd. Uh, we've had lots of ideas, uh, but then you know we discovered a, a common love for this show, and we kind of talked about it a little bit. And then one day, you reached out to me and said, Todd. I think I found someone else who'd be up for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend podcast. And uh, thus the podcast was born. And thus the podcast was born. And that other person that Todd is mentioning, the one who got me into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, one of my other very good friends, Lindy, also known as TV Lindy. Lindy, how are you? Hi, I'm amazing. There is glitter exploding inside of me. I'm in the place (laughs) where dreams live. I'm doing great. That's incredible. Uh, I'm so, I'm seriously just so excited to get to talk to both of you uh, here about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Lindy, we've been talking a lot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in the past like year. We've talked a lot. Yeah, for sure. Adam has a spreadsheet tracking his favorite songs. I mean, we have di- dived deep into this show. 
Yes, Adam has a spreadsheet is surprises no one who's listening. Uh, it doesn't even matter the topic. That is just <laughs> commonplace. Um, but Lindy, we've been talking a little bit about this show. Ty, we've been talking a little bit about this show. Uh, and like just the fact that we wanted to talk through it, the fact that we wanted to have this space where we could talk through these episodes, we could talk through the story, talk through the characters, talk through the songs. And thus, one indescribable podcast was born. And so this is going to be incredible. We're going to go through Crazy Ex-Girlfriend episode by episode. We're going to talk them through. We're going to talk through the songs, through the characters, through the story from episode one to episode 62. And it is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Hopefully you guys are as excited as I am. I'm like ready to go. I'm bouncing off the walls here. I've seen this first episode way too many times. Uh, (laughs) But before we get to that, I think it's very fitting for us to talk through how we ourselves got into the show. It's not a super old show. It was just a couple of years ago that it was on. Um, But it would be cool if we all kind of went around the horn here a little bit and talk through uh, our experiences with the show, how we get into it, when we started watching, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And I'll go first since my story is pretty simple, uh, yet very fitting for what we're about to do here. Uh, early days of quarantine, uh, I was friends with Lindy and she said, you got to watch this show. She said, you would freaking love it. You would just, you would eat it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. There's like 70 million shows I'm like trying to watch simultaneously. I'm like three years behind on podcasts. And she's like, Adam, you've got to watch it. And so I watched it. And then Lee, I don't know if you remember how long it took me to get through all four seasons but it was not that long. It was like, very, it's like what? 60 plus 40 minute episodes. It was like a couple of weeks that I got through this whole show. Uh, the, the spreadsheet was born. So all of the credit for us being here today, for me being here today, for me actually getting to talk about the show and watching the show goes to Lindy. So Lindy, how did you get into the show? Well, first of all, I am honored that you took my suggestion and that you love this show as much as I do. I'm so happy about that. Um, I have added so many shows to your list. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry about that, but actually not really, because I feel like I'm adding a lot of great content into your life. Um, so how I got into this show, I just love TV. I watch all the TV I can. I'm obsessed with it. So I had heard about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and I had heard it was good, but I think the first three seasons had come out. And I hadn't I hadn't watched it yet. And I was at this party and I heard someone talking about how funny and great this show was. And I thought, wow, I can't not watch this show. Like I I have to go home and, and start watching. So I did. And I just loved it from the instant I, I saw it. So I watched the first three seasons on Netflix because they were all on there. And then that was right before season four premiered. So I watched that one live. So that's how I got into the show. And I just, I've rewatched it since then. I just, I love this show. Amazing. Yeah, that's just incredible. And obviously you're like very passionate about it. You're getting the word out there, getting other people to watch it. Um, your energy like definitely got me into the show and like the show kept me there, which is incredible. Uh, Todd, what's your story with uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I am a day one watcher. I uh, wow. watched the uh, the first episode when it first came out. Uh, I'm a lifelong fan of musicals. And anytime there's a TV show coming out that's going to be a musical, I'm going to at least give it a try. 
and I was not disappointed by this at all. I was a little familiar with Rachel Bloom a little bit before this from some of her her YouTube videos and comedy songs, but uh, I was not prepared for what Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was going to be, and what it was was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I just got into the first episode, and I'll admit I was a little nervous about it because I have a low threshold for cringe comedy, and I and the show definitely toes the line uh, quite often. But at the same time, it's so aware of what it's doing that it does it really well. And it's not doing it in a way that most of the time makes me want to turn off the TV. Uh, as opposed <laughs> to some other shows we won't name. But yeah, I, I watched it from the very beginning. Loved it. Loved the music. Loved the characters. Loved the actors. Love just loved it so uh as but i knew almost no one else that watched it so it's always exciting to to find other people who were into it uh, as much as as i was so i will say i have not rewatched it at all uh, i'm not a big rewatcher um typically i have so much stuff that i want to watch for the first time that i don't go back and rewatch stuff i've already seen even if i loved it so this is a nice excuse for me to go back and rewatch the show that I really loved, but I have very faint memories of certain things. So it was interesting going back and rewatching the pilot for, for this and going, Oh, I forgot about that. And Oh, they started seeding this idea really early in the show, which I didn't pick up on the first time and, and things like that. So I'm definitely excited to go through this with y'all uh, right now and see knowing where it ends up, see how they got there. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome uh, that we have a day one watcher with us here on the podcast. Cause obviously I didn't start watching until after it already came out. Lindy got in there the final season. So um, I'm excited to hear maybe a little bit about the context of things when it actually came out as opposed to the rewatch. Um, but overall we all love the show. We're all like very into it or very passionate about it. There's like obviously some stuff that maybe not all of us are going to love. We're going to disagree on a lot of stuff as we go through uh, some of the storylines, some of us like better than others. Some of the characters, some of us like better than others. Uh, and it's going to be great to get to go through it all uh, with the two of you. I'm so, I'm just so excited. And to start that off, we are going to do episode one here today. Season one, episode one. Lindy, take it away. All right. So we open on Camp Canyon Grove. It's 2005. Rebecca Bunch is on stage and she's having a great time. She's singing. She has a little bit of a solo line and she just looks like she's having a great time. And then we cut to the end of camp. Rebecca and Josh are walking together and Rebecca is so excited about staying in touch because they've been dating at camp this summer. But Josh, you can see the look on his face. He does not want to have much to do with Rebecca anymore. And he breaks up with her. Wow. I mean, okay. Who doesn't have a camp experience like this in one way or the other? Is it just me? Am I the only one that got to like relate to this right off the bat? I hope yes. it's not just me. <laughs> I did. I didn't go to camp in high school or anything. So this, this never happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went, I went to church camp, but, Nothing like this happened to me at church camp, so or speech and debate camp. Um, so yeah, this was a, a very wasn't a lot of that going on at speech and debate camp. Ton. Not, it also wasn't it wasn't a sleepaway camp either. It was like having to like 
be taken to it every morning. So, but no, no, uh, my camp experiences were nothing like this. Mm. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, okay. Well, you know, we don't need to dive into like a huge story about Adam here, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been the Rebecca in this situation before. Like that's definitely happened. Uh, oh no. <laughs> uh, but it was like very relatable. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people that like can relate to some end of the situation of like going away to a summer camp, whether it be, uh, honestly Todd, even like church camp. Um, there's like a lot of situations where I think a lot of people could relate to this. So I've, you know, right off the bat, relatable content. Sad, definitely relatable <laughs> because i mean maybe not the camp aspect but you know josh is trying to let rebecca down and he says you know we're we're different and then he calls her dramatic and weird mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. oh Oh. I like have to wonder what were the past months of that camp like? Was this like new information <laughs> for Josh? Like she was not dramatic and weird the whole time. Like I yeah I don't know. Yeah, more than likely it was fine to be with the dramatic weird girl in this setting, but then the idea of having her with him for longer, and also we'd find out later on a little bit more about where Josh was at mentally at that point in time. So that kind of probably well, contribute to it but i mean rebecca was very open about that being like a you know very like awakening experience <laughs> for her in a lot of ways so i don't know where josh's head was at but um and then like you do get that line there right of like it was very unfortunate of, like but i love you josh after he's like breaking up and he's like that's cool thanks. <laughs> and thanks for that yeah. i mean it you know, yeah. that, you know that's tough you never want to hear that you never want to hear that no i, I just have to say as, as a resident um a uh well not the resident musical person but as, as like the uh, i feel like it's my job to to call out the musical references and so they were performing i'm in love with the wonderful guy from a uh, south pacific roger hammerstein 1949 and that song will come back a little bit uh, in the rest of the episodes so i just wanted to to call yeah. that out before we we moved on yeah i also just want to point out um that when she starts talking to josh she says you know when i sang my solo i felt such a palpable connection with the audience so rebecca's reinforcing how great she felt when she was on stage so that's just definitely something to watch throughout the show yeah and, th and then at the end of the scene um she gets in the car with her mother who starts talking about how <laughs> important her future is and we don't actually see her mother here but we hear her voice and we hear her voice all throughout this episode so yeah one other thing that uh, happens in that opening scene that i feel is good to track is whenever rebecca is talking about why she's at camp instead of at a mock trial that her mom wanted to go to is that she told her dad that she was having suicidal thoughts and that got him to a uh, cave and let her go and at first, it just seems like, oh, it's an overly dramatic teenage thing to do, like threat, threaten that sort of thing to get their way. But as the next scene will show, the idea of suicidal thoughts and suicidal tendencies is a thing that is going to follow Rebecca and give a, a, a hint that there's a lot more going on with her than just being this awkward a, a drama kid. There were like a couple, uh, there were a couple moments in this episode that foreshadowed that, maybe not even foreshadowed that, just like brought it straight up. 
Uh, and it was a little bit earlier than I remember it on all my previous watches. I sort of remember that being, uh, you know, a much later in the series sort of conversations and elements that they have in those episodes. But like from episode one, we have like three or four moments where like, uh, you know, uh, mental health is like a big topic, uh, which was actually kind of like interesting to see going back and like, oh, look, there's that moment. There's that moment to like really foreshadow and ramp up to what we're going to ultimately get to. Yeah, that's one of the things I kind of mentioned. Like, I was like, re- well, this is my first rewatch, and I was amazed in the very first opening scene that it was that much at the forefront. And so, yeah, that's one of the things that I definitely uh, like, I'm primed to take, uh, take note of on, on this rewatch. Yeah, so we cut from that scene at camp to 10 years later. This is adult Rebecca. She's in her apartment. The lighting here is drastically different than it was at camp. At camp, it was warm and bright. And here in her apartment, it is like a blue and cold light. And she's listening to this call from her mother. There's all these prescription bottles on her nightstand. And her TV is on and she looks at it and she sees this commercial for butter. And it's truly butter. And the commercial says, ask yourself. When was the last time you were truly happy? Aggressive campaign <laughs> for butter. Uh, maybe a little bit out there as well, but, you know, effective, I think, right? I'd buy that butter. Last <laughs> time you were truly happy is when you're eating this butter. I, you know, I don't know. I'd buy yeah. it. So Adam's an easy mark, uh, duly noted. Yeah, marketing is very effective on me. I'm all <laughs> in, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I'll tell you this. I love the Truly Happy, Truly Butter advertising so much that I have a Truly Happy, Truly Butter tote bag. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. That's wild. So it really worked on me. On one side, it has the logo, you know, Truly Happy, Truly Butter. And then on the other side, it says, when was the last time you were truly happy? It's fantastic. We get it like a little bit later, but I'm curious as to both of you, like, what are your thoughts on sort of this gimmick of the show? Of like, this is sort of how the story gets nudged is through a butter ad. <laughs> like, is it forced? Is it like too much? Is it? I thought it was really funny and like, not like natural, but I thought it was like very effective in what it did. Yeah, it's one of the things that's interesting. The show is parsing out like what's the heightened reality that's in Rebecca's head and what's real and that line gets blurred a lot as the show goes on especially as other characters start to sing their own songs when Rebecca's not around uh, which is something that we can talk about more whenever we actually get to it but in the early days especially it was very much these songs are happening in Rebecca's head more than anything else and she has a really interesting view of the world and the show starts to dive deeper into that as it goes along so it's interesting to think like is that truly what the ad says or is that just what Rebecca sees whenever she sees whatever this ad was about happiness? Cause she even says later, that's a really weird ad campaign. So, and, and she, but she says it right after being on the internet and closing out a, a group of windows, which included a web dating site, a article on how much sleep deprivation can we survive and an article, a hundred people who died during sex. So that's kind of where Rebecca's head is at before she sees this. When was the last time you're truly happy butter ad? 
Yes. Luckily, I have never looked up any of those things. <laughs> I would have no idea uh, any of that. Uh, Lindy, you obviously love the Barter Commission. How do you feel about it as like a show element? I love it. I think it's fantastic. But going off of what Todd said, I, I do see your point about how sometimes or a lot of the time we're seeing things through Rebecca's perspective. So it's not necessarily 100% accurate in what is happening. So I think probably the the butter campaign is real, in my opinion, but maybe the way she finds it following her throughout the day is not quite what happened. I mean, she sees it on her TV. She sees it in her office. She sees it when she goes out on the street outside. So I think it's following her around because she keeps thinking about it, not necessarily because it's plastered everywhere around her. Yeah, I can tell you that, especially... The outside of the street one is the one where uh, we'll get to it, but it's the one that is the most like, really? Is that yeah. real? Hey, a moment, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So we, we cut to Rebecca at her office where she finds out that she's about to get promoted, which sounds amazing. And she keeps saying on paper, this is fantastic. This is fantastic on paper, right? So you can tell she doesn't really feel how fantastic it is but she knows it's supposed to be and then she sees that butter ad again sitting on a desk and she makes an excuse to run out of the office yeah and when she sees the butter ad like everything else gets drowned out there's just this horrible ringing in her ears and she can't hear anything else other than just ringing in her ears and then there's sort of the, like the lost sound when they come back from like a flashback the whoosh type sound that kind of brings her back into the reality and she realizes that she has no idea what her assistant co-worker whoever's been friend uh, yeah whoever yeah, that was yeah whoever's been talking to her and she realizes she hasn't heard a single thing she said because from the moment she saw the better ad she just completely checked out for who knows how long okay uh here's like my first problem with the episode i think um and the butter ad so lindy don't like hate me here uh the whole idea of like when's the last time you were truly happy my question to both of you is did the show earn this with that opening scene at summer camp with Rebecca's heart being broken as the last time she was truly happy? Like I get the idea of like camp as, you know, as like fulfilling that role, but like we only saw like a not great part of that experience for her. Like did the show earn this? Did that add like, I don't know. That's like a one. That's, that's one of the things that I like kind of felt dissatisfied about on a rewatch, like really looking through it. Uh, I'm not sure that it did. I, I think I wanted a little bit more to actually earn that moment of like, maybe that is the last time I was really happy. I think it does work because like I said, you know, when you look at her face, when she's on stage, I just feel like you can tell she's happy. And when she's walking with Josh in that beginning of the scene, she looks really happy. I think what happens is, the moment that Josh breaks up with her is when it all comes crashing down. Josh breaks up with her. She's heartbroken. She gets in the car. Her mother is saying all these cruel things to her and, and just continues doing that. So I think it's not necessarily that we saw all of these moments of her being happy, but we saw the moment that it all came crashing down. And so she's not thinking of that moment when Josh broke up with her. She's thinking of before that, that whole summer at camp. It was amazing. And it really might be the last time she felt that way. And it, it worked for me as well. I think because the 
transition from after Josh's breakup was in the car with her mother haranguing her, jumping straight to her mother haranguing her in the present, and the fact that it went from the bright sunny world to the gray washed out world, and the things that were on her laptop. I think you have those little things, just the little signifiers that maybe you don't know that was definitely the last time she was truly happy, but you definitely know she's not happy now. And that's so, 100% accurate. And so who knows if she hadn't run into Josh on the street, maybe something else would have triggered her on some sort of quest. But she's at this point where she is definitely horribly depressed, horribly suffering. And she sees someone who reminds her of a happy time, whether it really was the last time she was truly happy or not. I don't know, but that it could be that was just like the right person in the right time to for her really to fixate on. So for me, I will say I like what I think what I wanted was some sort of montage where we saw reciprocation from Josh. And I think that like I'm going to I'll probably say this again, like later on when we actually like get to the actual Josh stuff. But like there's like no indication that Josh has any sort of feelings towards Rebecca or that he ever did. Like, I mean, she says it, so, like, it is true. And, like, eventually we will find out that, like, it was true. But everything we've seen so far and everything they've, like, showed us in this first episode, I don't know. I mean, there was, like, nothing there. It was him breaking up with her, you know, and then everything we're about to get to. But, like, not great, like, in terms of the reciprocation. But I don't think you necessarily need to have the full reciprocation for Rebecca to have seen that as a happy time. Yes, uh, agreed. Yeah, agreed. So I agree for in terms of liking Josh, maybe we needed a little bit more of that uh, <laughs> front loaded. But in terms of Rebecca being happy at that point in time, if she felt a connection to him, even if he wasn't doing anything to to really foster that other than just paying attention to her, that was enough for her along with being in the musical and the other things like that. So I get what you're saying, but for me, it wasn't a big negative for, for the introduction of the characters. Yeah. So then we see Rebecca sees the, the butter ad again on the side of a building. And there's this sign below it with an arrow that falls and points directly at this street corner where none other than Josh Chan is standing in this golden, beautiful light and rebecca is just amazed it's josh chan because of course it's josh chan yeah i mean and she sees him because of a literal sign there's a literal sign pointing to josh and here's the thing i was talking about where it's like really is this real where like the arrow on the sign falls down and points directly to him definitely heightened reality right there uh but also when she sees him, that's where we get the first return of the I'm in love yeah. refrain, just very faint in her mind. As she's saying, they're trying to open up a ball of pills that say open in case of emergency and praying to God, even though she believes in science. And then she happens to glance up, see the sign and the sign points her to the focus of her obsession now. So they catch up and I mean, they seem to be getting along great. It's honestly a really kind of cheerful conversation. And Josh lets Rebecca know that he's been living in New York City, but he's actually just about to move back home because they're happy back there. And she asks where he's from. And he says, West Covina. 
you know, it's near the beach. <laughs> and um, he tells her that if she's ever out west, uh, she should look him up. And he, you know, hands her his card and then, you know, walks away, waves, and he's in this golden light again. And then, you know, she's looking at the card and and then she is glowing in this light. So it's just, it's spectacular. So one thing I really want to talk about is, why does Josh Chan have a card? What, what sort of card does Josh Chan have that he's giving Rebecca? Is it his business card? Is it just something he gives out to I like Josh Chan of all people? Why does Josh Chan have a card? That that really I didn't notice it on my first rewatch taking notes. My second rewatch, I'm like, wait, Josh yeah. has a card. It just it just especially with the Josh we see later, it just seems so incongruous with with josh to be someone who would have cards to hand out with his that's a good point do we know what he was doing in new york i don't remember i don't think that we ever know that do we i don't know i all he said was like yeah i was trying to make it work here but then i stuck in the rat race i just want to go back home but he doesn't say what he was doing and i don't recall if we ever really find out what he was uh doing there no i mean not to give away my thoughts on josh like too early in the podcast here but like my way. my guess here is that that card was like a punch card for like buy five sandwiches get the six three that's like my <laughs> guess of like a card that josh would have had is like something like that you know uh so how does it have his number on it that's yeah, i don't, like, I, don't I don't know if it does yeah. i have no idea it probably doesn't <laughs> it does obviously i think maybe the business card is that's a new york josh thing so that's why it just seems so weird to us now, knowing Josh from his West Covina self. But maybe in New York, he had to be like that, you know? Maybe he was cool in New York. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. And the other thing that I really, that really jumped at me this scene is whenever they're talking and catching up about how, oh, you never came back to camp. And oh, I had to go to mock trial. Never, never he says, I always hoped I'd run into you one day. Her face. The hope and joy on her face. Uh, Rachel Bloom just does a great job of transforming and just showing just how much that meant to her. The fact that this boy that she had pined after had wanted to see her again. And it just, just that transformation was just, you know, excellent. and just kind of shows just why she does what she does. Because in this moment, whenever she is floundering, to have that line thrown to her, it just kind of, you know, starts the dominoes falling yeah the transformation in her face and the transformation in the lighting around her again just getting warmer and brighter and so she goes back to the office and they offer her the promotion and then she starts giving this weird speech about time and time is weird and everything and then she respectfully declines the position because she has another opportunity <laughs> Yeah, I think she later says this was like a five hundred thousand plus dollar job that she's yes. declining. Like, I think it was five forty five. Five forty five. I've written down the notes. Yeah, that's a lot of money to say no to for a guy. Oh but, my goodness! What, but Adam, what is money compared to moving to where dreams live? Yes, and what is the true <laughs> value of happiness? <laughs> Uh, like five hundred forty-four thousand, I think, <laughs> give or take, in yeah. that ballpark. You, you can make dreams move to you for five hundred forty-five thousand. Yeah, you do. You can. You can buy as much truly butter as you want with that kind of money. Um, <laughs> as many pretzels as you want. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but she like just walked out 
I mean, straight up quit that. I mean, you know, that's wild stuff. Like as a, you know, she's a career lawyer in New York. It's just like crazy to me. Uh, it's like everyone, uh, you know, in a corporate job that you're just walking out of there. I love the confidence. I love that she just runs into Josh on the street and then immediately she's like, another opportunity has come up and I'm leaving. Like, it's it's great. <laughs> and she does this little spin as she leaves the office because she's just giddy with the idea of it all. But never in a million years could I do something like that. I was going to say, are either of you doing up- this? Ever? Lindy, you're doing this? The look on no. your face. You're like, you're doing it? You're moving across the country? Someone comes back into your life? I mean, West Covina. You're I like could, there? maybe. It depends. I'm not saying I would never, but I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying I, I admire the, you know, the commitment that she makes in that moment. You know, here's this opportunity for happiness. I'm just going to go for it. I like it. It's okay. a good opportunity for happiness, <laughs> though. I mean, maybe kind of, but it's reading a lot into very little, which is a very Rebecca thing to do. Yes. Uh, so I think that undercuts the aspirational aspect of it for me. But... I To be clear, <laughs> I'm not saying anyone should do this. I'm just saying <laughs> that I like Rebecca a lot. And I'm not saying that Josh represents happiness, but... Just more so the fact that she's clearly not happy with what she's doing. Like, she clearly needs a change. And so when she sees this opportunity that's going to just completely change where she's at in life and what she's doing, you know, she goes for it. And, and that's what I like about it. Not necessarily the the Josh aspect. So how do we feel about... Uh, so this is like really interesting, right? She's clearly not happy in the situation that she's currently in. And this is also the last time we're going to get to see her like work in New York in this like high pressure setting. Right. And so I'm curious how much of an impact did that have on the unhappiness? Like, I feel like there were a lot of other things that played into effect, but it was sort of like she was misappropriating her unhappiness directly to work. And then if you change that move and go to Josh, like it fixes everything. And I think that like what we're going to come to learn is that that is not the case uh, that like, you know, serious issues are going to be serious issues no matter what you're doing or where you are. But I think that like, this was a really interesting thing where we saw the work presented in such a negative way. Uh, And I don't know. I feel like she had like a really good job. Like she had friends at work, like, right. There were people that were like excited to tell her that she got a promotion. The partners were like excited to like get in a room with her and tell her what was going on. I don't know. I feel like the the work got pinned as the bad guy there. And I don't know that it was. One thing I will say is one thing that did get really grounded is that the work wasn't necessarily her passion or what she, I mean, she's great at it, obviously, but whenever her mom called her, the thing that her mom says is the thing we've been working towards. And her mom was the one that was trying to push her towards the mock trial. And her mom was the one who was kind of guiding her life to a certain degree. So I think, yeah, it was, she's really good at the job and it's a well-paying job and a nice job, but it wasn't really necessarily what she wanted to do. And so if she's stuck in this job, that's not really her passion and she's already dealing with the other mental issues that she's dealing with. Yeah. The job's getting pinned as the reason for it, but as long as she's in the situation, I don't think she's ever going to be able to get down to the root of what's really 
wrong with her. I think as long as she's in the situation that's just perpetuating the misery because it's, because it is, I mean, being a lawyer is a high stress situation. And whenever you're dealing with a high stress situation and you're dealing with mental health issues and you're obviously not sleeping and you're kind of hallucinating, uh, <laughs> I, I do think that, yeah, the job itself might not be, it's not a horrible job in in the sense that it's a, a toxic work environment or things like that. But it's a job that she and her current mental state is not prepared to be able to, to deal with. And just pulling the ripcord and getting out of there, realizing that she can no longer deal with it, even though she does maybe not consciously realizing that's what she's doing. But I do think uh, to, to Lindy's point, I think that aspect of is, is a good thing to take away being able to recognize I'm in a bad situation. I am not happy and things need to change. And so from that aspect, I think that, yeah, the job might not be the bad guy, but for Rebecca, it was just one more thing that she had to remove herself on before she could start the journey to becoming a happier person. Wow. Well put. Uh, the only thing I got out of what Lindy was saying was that if you move all the way across the country, uh, <laughs> she will respect you as a person. Um <laughs> That's what I got out of that. But we're bearing the lead here. Uh, we're bearing the lead quite a bit because she leaves and then we get our first song. Yay, West our first song, Covina. West Covina. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites. It's like so good. This is such an amazing song. The whole montage of moving over. You get the little animated thing at the beginning. Uh, the lyrics are like really smart. Uh, and they like pick up the town of West Covina like so ridiculously well and so much better than we would have gotten through just context or even just like a montage of like videos or just like her going around town. Like the song did such a good job. Yeah. It's just, it's such a, such a perfect Broadway musical number on so, so many levels and movie musical number on so many levels, so many great visual things. Like as she's, you know, she walks out of the office, she did a little, her little twirl as she left the office, but then she goes on the street and kind of takes off of her jacket and starts singing immediately. And she goes by some signs. Uh, she stands in front of a goulash sign mm -hmm. to, say, to show the word gosh as she says gosh. And then she stands in front of Joe's fish, which turns into Josh, as she very pointedly does not say Josh's name because she's desperately in love with West Covina. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then, like I said, it's such a great view of West Covina. Like, she gets out of the cab, looking super excited at this beautiful place, and she gets outside of a triple X adult, <laughs> adult video store. And it's just, yeah, it is, it is great. Yeah, it's a great introduction to the music in the show and to West Covina. And I love how, you know, all the things she's seeing, you know, would probably be really mundane to, to most people, but she is just seeing it through this lens of this land of possibility, this place where dreams are. I'm finally here. I'm so excited. And I, I love the energy that this song brings. Yeah. And even like the mundane things that are like everywhere, you know, Shea Applebee's is where you're dining. Like it's such good stuff. Uh, the other thing I like have to call out in these, in these lyrics to this first song as the marching band stuff, all the, the cutting <laughs> to the musical programs. I, you know, I'm like a big marching band guy. That was such a big part of my life, but like, you know, that's very real. Like people are cutting musical programs. And I know that Rachel Bloom has like done some work, uh, like in that space of making sure that like, uh, you know, elementary, middle school, high school music programs like get funded. 
and so, uh, you know, this was like a thing for her. And so to put this in the first song, I thought was really, really cool. And it was like really fun, like seeing them in the crowd, right? Like they had this huge budget of people. They had this huge cast of people with this big Broadway musical number. And then like, the, nope, pack it up. Gotta go. Uh, budget cuts. Can't afford to keep up there. Yeah, it's like really, really funny. I loved it. Yeah. And like I said, the lyrics do a really good job of setting up, okay, she's in denial about why she's here. She's moving to West Covina. She loves it just because it's such a beautiful place, but she's not here because of Josh. And the whole sequence where she's like kind of almost patter song going, just talking really quickly to all these different people about why she's here and switches to Spanish to make sure that the yeah. mover understands what she's saying and ending with not having a nervous, again, just kind of that, that frantic energy and really foregrounding the fact that a, uh, it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and that they are going to be taking this whole idea of her mental state. It's not just going to be subtext. It is going to be text. It is going to be in the foreground uh, throughout the show. Just That's just another kind of like hitting that note. And then the title card, which is like, just jump straight into that. I don't know how many minutes into the episode. Uh, quite a few. And the other thing, she was in a pretzel. Ah, yes. There were pretzels a couple times in this song, right? The first one was like the biggest pretzel I've ever seen. And then she ends flying in a pretzel? Yes. Wow. Definitely like a very iconic scene of her in the pretzel being like hoisted on the crane as the people are are singing below. It was in all the promo ads at the time. It was one of those things that definitely caught my attention and got me to watch the show is the scene of her being hoisted in the pretzels. People are singing below her. So definitely the pretzel is definitely an iconic uh, image when it comes to the show. I love the giant pretzel and I also love her dress. So it's just a great musical number here. So then after that song ends, we've got Rebecca in her new place. Um, She is whistling and pouring all of her pills down the drain Probably not the best way to dispose of those, but that's what she's doing. (laughs) Um, And her mom, again, is on the phone talking to her, being terrible. And she sits down on her couch to type out a text to Josh to let him know that she's in town. Yes. And she gets no immediate response. I do have to read the text, though. (laughs) Yes. Incredible. It's the best text. Yeah, it is. It's so good. Yeah. So here it is. Hey, dude, Rebecca Bunch here. Remember you said if I was ever in SoCal, I should give you a buzz? Well, buzz, be emoticon. Anyway, (laughs) was thinking we could have whatevs. So weird, right? LOL. So weird. Uh, (laughs) Such a good text. And the whatevs started as dinner. Delete, delete, delete. Coffee, delete, delete, delete. Breakfast, delete, delete, delete. Whatevs. <laughs> Should have gone with breakfast. That's the key. Uh, breakfast is like the key to my heart. Okay, my main thought here. Oh, man. Nothing like a good brunch, though. Um, okay, my thought on this. He didn't respond immediately. And obviously, like, this is all played up. This is going to be throughout the rest of the episode of where, you know, he's not responding. I'm, like, not great at responding to texts very quickly and it's not like you know i'm not like attempting to ignore people and you know stuff like that and i've been like chastised on it many times but like 
man, we got to give Josh a break. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even a Josh guy. I'm really not. I promise I'm not. You'll learn that I'm not. But like, man, like he's not responding like day one to someone who's sending him a B emoticon. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like, give him some time. No, are you expecting a response, Lindy? If you send that text, are you expecting a response like quickly? I guess it depends on the person. I see what you're saying. Um, but I think for Rebecca, so much is riding on this one text. And, you know, the waiting for the response is just agonizing. And I can relate to that. I get it. You know, sometimes you send a text and you want this person to respond to you. Like, and to you, every minute feels like an eternity. But to them, they're probably just busy. And it's, it's not about you. But... When you're waiting for them to get back to you, it just feels like, oh my gosh, they hate me. Yeah. Do you think that people should text faster? Should that be something like I work on as a person of responding faster to text? Yes, please respond to all my messages immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lindy can like attest. I'm not amazing at responding quickly. I'm really not. Uh, Todd, what about? Oh, go ahead, Lindy. You no, know, please. No, you I really don't mind. It's fine because I know you'll get back to me because we're friends. You know, it. it's fine. Uh, yeah, not one B emoticon has been said between Lydia and I. So I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing. Todd, how quick are you to like get back to text? How are, what's your thought here? I used to be an immediate responder because I, I'd be someone who would just be like, why have they gotten back to me? Why haven't they gotten back to me? Why haven't they gotten back to me? So I, I never want other people to feel like that. However, since the quarantine, I have definitely, which is weird. You'd think I'm like locked up by myself with my phone. I would be better at it, but for whatever reason, I've gotten a lot worse about seeing a message and going, I don't have the mental energy to respond to that right now. I'll do it later. And then completely, because as soon as I read it and the notifications off the phone, it just completely slips my mind. So I've, I've gotten a lot worse about it than I used to be. But I used to be like immediate responding to everything because I would be someone who, if someone didn't respond to me quickly, not I didn't expect an immediate response, but if it's been a day and I haven't heard back from someone, it's usually like, huh, wonder what's going on. What's more important than talking to me? Come on. Hmm. Uh, okay. But, Follow but my up. Nickname, my nickname was also used to be Captain Neurotic. So that oh. kind of factored into that <laughs> as well. So, uh, uh, yeah. uh Okay, there's like a lot to dive into there that I don't, <laughs> I don't know that we're like ready to do right now. Uh, but my follow up though is like uh, I am famously a double triple texter. I have like no problem sending like three four messages in a row, uh, regardless of they haven't responded. And Rebecca did not do that. She just sent the one, which I feel like we you know we get in this mindset of like oh my gosh she hasn't responded to me. Uh, what's going on? It's like this crazy thing. You feel like she would send another message, no? I would say that does seem a little out of character for the Rebecca we see later. I feel like the Rebecca that we come to know over the series is definitely going to be someone who will just keep pushing that sort of thing. So the fact that at this one time she decides to just try to do the nonchalant thing and not pester him does seem a little unusual. But at the same time... I can see it being a case of this is the first time she's actually reaching out to him and she's more trepidatious about whether he even wants her in his life and she's more nervous about it. And once she does get that initial response, then that kind of maybe opens up the floodgates. But it does. I mean, <laughs> it does. Uh, Lindy, are you like a double, triple texture? 
absolutely if we're friends i don't care how many times in a row i am texting you if i like whatever i need to say what i need to say i'm mm -hmm. just gonna keep keep on going yeah. um but that's only if we're good friends you know I, I won't do that to to people who um might not want that um but that's a good point about rebecca i would have expected her to do that you know, if it were me, I would have sat there and crafted this message for like an hour and just made sure it sounded right, you know, but she only takes like one minute to write the whole thing. So I yeah, mean, I am surprised she didn't send more than one. She nailed it. No, like I mean, knocked it out of the park oh, in round one. It like, does it get yeah, better why, than that? <laughs> yeah, why mess with perfection? You know? Yeah. Uh, I Before we do move on, I do want to call out one other thing that that really jumped on me this is whenever her mom calls as being awful that's when we get the first reference to the stunt like your big suicide attempt in law school yeah. so again this is something i did not remember being in the very first episode and it happens like it's really fast and you kind of again i think you chalk it up to her mother being a horrible human being because her mother's response to that is like you didn't even break the scan you inconvenienced a lot of people you're your aunt Nancy was apoplectic because that's the worst sin of all to, to upset aunt Nancy. Uh, so I think the first time you watch it, that probably kind of just like goes by is just a sign of her mom being awful and maybe blowing something out of proportion. But on the rewatch it's, Oh, again, yep. they're seeding, they're seeding her problems really early, especially making that reference as Rebecca is pouring, pouring all of her meds down the drain. So that's again, that's something just kind of really jumped out at me on this watch. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, she stays up, you know, waiting for that text, but doesn't get one. And it shows her waking up the next morning, frantically checking her phone. But Josh has not responded yet. Um, so then we we see Rebecca, um, her first time at White Feather and Associates. Um, she's being shown around the office by Daryl. Um, and for the first time, we meet Daryl and Paula and Mrs. Hernandez. Okay, what order do we want to go in here? We have the three of them. Todd, you were already shaking your head at Daryl. I'm like ready for you to pop off here. Go for it. Oh, so I already mentioned this in the group chat uh, to Adam and Lindy beforehand. But halfway through the episode, a good portion of my notes were just in all caps. Not great, Daryl. <laughs> uh, and I. As the show goes on, I like Daryl a lot as a character. But in this first episode, it's the... Whenever he enters himself, it's one at Chippewa. Everyone calls me chief. And she's like, oh, should I start doing it? Like, no, I wish you'd start doing it because no one else is really doing it. And just, there's a lot of culturally insensitive stuff coming from Daryl as in this first, first episode, which I think gets toned down a lot. Because I don't even really remember that being a part of his character. So it kind of, I think that's part of what it really shocked me to have this and then some comments about Jewish people a little bit later. And they're things that aren't like necessarily, I mean, he's not calling them slurs or anything like that, but definitely uh, lots of stereotypes coming out of his mouth. And really, this first episode does not prime you to be a Daryl fan at all. No, uh, for, for me. And it was kind of in interesting because I remembered him being awkward because he kind of is awkward throughout the whole show. But that was a level of awkward I did not remember. Uh, so not really necessarily a great 
intro to Daryl, although he has some some good lines, like never he first meets her, or he's introducing or he's like talking to her, he's like, we're just so honored and well confused, frankly, that you would accept a job here. You know, he has some some really great lines, spent some time in Gotham myself. That, that pizza place, lots of name of it, duh, duh, yeah, duh. With the sauce and the and yeah. the cheese and the crusts. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's pizza. Yeah, <laughs> all of his funny lines just get undercut by the really cringe-worthy things that he that come out of his mouth. So yeah, not great, Daryl. Not, not a it great reminded movie. me. It like really reminded me of a Michael Scott who wasn't trying to be funny. That's like what I got from Daryl of like, you know, I'm not like, I don't think he's like a bad guy. I don't think we're going to learn throughout the show that he's like not a bad guy, but there were definitely some moments this episode where it's like, Ooh, uh, Daryl, like not great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not good. And I forgot about that too. I was like, Oh, I like Daryl. And then I watched this episode again and I was like, Ooh, mm." do I like Daryl? Like, (laughs) I, I have to say again, I haven't rewatched much. I've watched the first two episodes again, and there wasn't really any of that in his brief appearance in the second episode. So I'm hoping this is a, a weird pilot thing that kind of gets dropped as we move on. We'll see. Across. Yeah, we'll but, see. Uh, okay, that's Daryl. Then we get to Paula. Thoughts on Paula initially in this first scene? Just such a different introduction to her than you know you would remember if you hadn't seen this episode in a long time like you would quickly forget that this is how paula is first introduced on the show because she is so suspicious of rebecca she is seemingly just angry why is she here what's she doing here who is this person and i wanted to say paula this is your new best friend (laughs) (laughs) and she's so combative and snarky immediately like Lindsay Lohan wears those. Yeah, the knockoff <laughs> Le Bouton. Yeah. Yeah. I could I say it. <laughs> uh yeah, she has like some really funny lines there. Uh you know, uh, Rebecca like assumes that she's uh her assistant and then like no, Paul's a paralegal. She like knows what she's doing there. Um you know, I don't know if it was like insane for Rebecca to assume that the first person that she meets in this office from Daryl is like her assistant, but you know, nonetheless, Paula still, you know, does it with the best of them, as we're going to, like, continue to see throughout the whole series. I feel like you should confirm that someone is your assistant before just assuming probably. that. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I I don't, we don't know exactly what Rebecca's work situation was in New York, right? Like, I'm, she's had to have had an assistant, right, for how much she made and for what she was actually doing. Always ask. That's the rule, I guess, we're going forward here. Like, if you're meeting someone for the first time, probably ask if they're your assistant before you, uh, you know, say hello. So I should just ask everyone I meet, are you my assistant? Maybe ask someone else. Get the third party. You know, ask the Daryls of the world. Here's what you do. You say, oh, what do you do here? Easy. Yeah, and we're going to get a lot more Paula. And then we just have this little bit of Mrs. Hernandez where she squeezes the hand and that's basically it just standing there silently. That's all we get of her. Yeah. I feel like what we should have done is you should have said, and what are our thoughts on Miss Hernandez? And we just had like 10 seconds of silence. Yeah. Just said <laughs> nothing. It, it will be a long time before we hear Miss Hernandez's voice. So I, I didn't remember what she, she had, she did before, but the fact that she is their communications director struck me as really funny this time, especially knowing the ongoing gag of Mrs. Hernandez, not speaking 
that that jumped out at me this time because I I couldn't have told you what Miss Hernandez did at the office other than just being Mrs. Hernandez. So yeah, so that's our introduction to uh, Rebecca's coworkers. So we'll see a lot more of them. Um, but this whole time that she's at the office, she's checking her phone, um, and we see. Uh, during her conversation with Daryl, um, she sees that Josh has checked into home base. And so she rushes out of the office and she shows up at home base where she sits down at the bar and meets for the first time, Greg. Uh, first and foremost, uh, checking in at home base, immediately going to home base, middle of the workday, creepy or cute from Rebecca. Do we like it? Do we hate it? Creepy. creepy. Don't like it. Don't do it. Super okay. Super. And then we meet Greg. I am famously a Greg Stan. Love Greg. He has like some of the best lines of the whole show. Uh, even just like in this first episode, that whole first interaction between the two of them was so funny. Like it was just so funny. Love it. Um, you know, I think obviously our conversations about Greg will evolve over time, but in this episode in particular, love him from the get-go you know i i just love how she walks into the bar and he's like are, are you lost like what are you doing here <laughs> um and this one little conversation they have like he's already asking her out to a party on a date and he i i love when he's like you're pretty and you're smart and you're ignoring me so you're definitely my type oh and then she's like what <laughs> perfect yeah, it's so funny. I, uh, you know, maybe it's because I like relate to Greg a little bit here in this situation, but like that's so funny to me. <laughs> to have, like this line where it's like, yeah, you ignore me, and that's just incredible. <laughs> like that's exactly what I'm looking for. That's so funny. No, he and he's just he comes out like a fully formed character right off the bat. Like, yes, you automatically get all you need to know about Greg. He's he's smart. He's snarky. He does not appreciate where he lives in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he would do anything to get out of there. Uh, my favorite line, other than the, you're obviously my type, was uh, whenever she says she's looking for a friend, he's like, maybe I know him. He eight years old, an alcoholic, because that's what we got here. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that too. So, you know, he's asking her um, about herself, and she says she just moved in from New York for work. Um, and she, this is where we see her lie. She says, you know, she got a call from a law firm here, which is obviously not the case. Um, but Greg says he has a friend who just moved back from New York and he's like, you probably don't know him. And she's like, oh, you know, all casually, what's his name? And he's like, uh, Josh Chan. And she's like, I know him. <laughs> and just says, yeah, I ran into him. And then, you know, I got this call from this law firm and, yeah, that's why I'm here. A very respected one eighth Chippewa man. Uh, <laughs> very respected in my field. Yeah, yeah very respected in my field. Uh, that's his beer right over there. Uh, you know, begging the question, like, why is Josh drinking beer in the middle of the day? But uh, you know, do you just add it to the list of things I don't love about Josh? He just moved back to town. Give him a break to relax and visit his friend. He's supporting uh, his friend at work. <laughs> Is that what's happening here? Is that what's happening here? It is. Uh, I don't know. But I do, I really love this moment with Greg where, like, they talk about the party. He, uh, you know, he he gives her the invite. 
Uh, just really funny. I, Todd like hit the nail on the head. Like Greg comes out as an actual character, which is like you know, time and time again, it'll be my number one complaint with Josh of like he's just nothing. He's just nothing. And like Greg comes out as this like actual character with like a personality with feelings with like emotion. There's like more of a backstory there that like is alluded to the whole time that we don't get for a little bit. But like there's a full character there. He has feelings. He has history. He has like, you know, real thoughts and like actions. Um, And his relationship with Rebecca is like going to be really interesting to see as we go. It's like very interesting in this first episode and will continue to be interesting. Yeah. So Greg says that, um, you know, he knows where Josh will be tomorrow night. He doesn't know right now, but they'll both be at a party tomorrow night. So, you know, he asks Rebecca and says, you know, we could go together like a date. Um, So then we we cut to a short scene back with Rebecca um, at the office and we start hearing the music of the sexy getting ready song and she runs into Paula and Paula is like, I don't buy your story. I will figure out the truth of why you're here. Weird look for Paula here. It like, honestly, it caught me off guard, especially since like we see so much change in this first episode from Paula, but like, what? Like your, your coworkers doing what? And like, we see this montage a little bit later with Paula and it's like, what are we doing here? Like what's happening? Like you're, you're investigating what? Like you're looking through what here? Like, I don't know. Bad look for Paula. Not a strong start for Paula. But I also think it's pretty consistent with what she does over the course of this first season in a lot of ways. And what she gloms on Rebecca, a lot of that stuff disappears from the forefront because she's being super supportive of Rebecca. So she's not being antagonistic to Rebecca anymore. But then by the time you get to the finale, and you find out what Paula's kind of been doing in the background that we don't get to see. It's really consistent with the stuff that she does in this first episode. It's just not being directed against Rebecca. It's being directed for Rebecca. And so we haven't really been seeing it. So it's it's interesting that it kind of bookends the season with this really negative version of Paula that will definitely change over the next few seasons. But I agree, it's it's not a great look. But also, it cracked me up a little. Oh, I'll figure it out. Now I have something fun to do. Yeah. The, the delivery of it all was hilarious. But in terms of being something that you want kind of your subordinate at work to be doing. you know, it's Probably not, not that. Almost anything but great. that, really. Yeah. And, and just anyone in general, just like, it's your face. I don't believe you. You're lying. I want to figure out why you're lying. I mean, even if you are lying to them, you really don't want someone like, jumping out and confronting you uh, about it but we yeah. should normalize lying to your coworkers about your personal life i'm very actually in favor of that like my i have no interest in all of my coworkers knowing everything about my personal life what if they're listening to this uh hello first of all <laughs> uh i'm doing this outside of work hours just fyi um it's true it's true yeah uh no but like you know i don't i don't think we need to like reveal everything to our coworkers at work like lindy do you do that at work like you're just going around like sharing everything you are making so many assumptions i'm I'm, not not asking i'm just asking the question just asking (laughs) are you like is that something you do like are you you know are you like sharing everything with your coworkers? that's just not something i do you know in any aspect of life i don't share everything but um 
I feel like we've all had coworkers that have shared too much, right? Like I maybe I'm not like a you know I'm not like the nosy type to go investigate coworkers outside of like work, but I feel like we've all had coworkers who have like openly sh- maybe it's just me I don't know for the look on your faces, but I've like definitely had coworkers that have like shared too much of themselves with me, and I'm like, uh, 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 what are we doing? Like, what, what I don't is- mind because you know it makes it interesting. I I like hearing those types of things and i feel like people usually do open up to me and just start telling me all those things so i'm just like oh okay all right cool okay <laughs> I don't tell, mind it. tell lindy all of the hot goss uh yeah. i'm okay with just like you know chatting about other stuff but yeah send that to me not to adam mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i i probably fall i i definitely someone who shares a lot of my life with with coworkers. uh after i feel comfortable in the office like the first couple of years I worked at my current office, I definitely didn't share anything I did with anybody because it takes me a long time to get comfortable sharing stuff about myself with people. But once I, once that, that door is cracked open, it comes flooding out. So uh, I am definitely someone who shares a little bit more than I probably should. Not everything, but more than I probably should, but yeah. So once that door is open, you are sending multiple texts. <laughs> Multiple B emoticons, uh, you know, the whole the whole nine. Yeah. So unless weird, they, right? So weird. Unless they don't respond, and then I just sit there. Unless and, they don't respond. And then freak about about freak out about why they're not responding. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, now I need to file that away. Don't uh ignore Todd for a day. Uh <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, you you hinted to it earlier, Lindy. We get the background music for the sexy getting ready song. Yes, and Rebecca's and- kind of dancing to it as well as she's like kind of a, a walking in to get something out of the fridge. So it's like a really nice, nice little foreshadowing moment. Again, knowing what's about to come, it was kind of a nice little moment. Yes, she is thinking about this party and then we see her getting ready for it. Yeah. Uh, how did this montage play for both of you? Good, oh, Ben? horrifying (laughs) (laughs) i can hardly watch this oh my gosh i think it's hilarious in a horrifying way but i'm all about horrifying comedy i guess so and it reminds me a lot of the the songs that rachel bloom did before she became you know rachel bloom of crazy ex-girlfriend it's Mm -hmm. definitely along the lines of the comedy songs and comedy videos that she had done done before i think it definitely falls in that that wheelhouse really well well and they nailed the average routine of like actually getting ready this is about what i do every time i go out anywhere is basically what was played out in the song uh, <laughs> um uh, oh gosh. no so i you know obviously like i can't speak to uh you know getting ready in that way although the the moment where they you know flashed over to greg and he was just like snoring on the couch i was like yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what I'm doing right before I'm like about to go out. Yeah, with with the remote on his face. I think that's my favorite touch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the couch with the remote on his face. That's my that's the the kind of cherry on top of that little. Yeah, topic. is that where you fall too, Todd? Like you're about to go out, uh, and you're like doing a pregame nap. Like that's a hundred percent where I am. Like if I'm going out at night, I'm like napping from like six to eight. Like I'm I'm taking a nap in that afternoon evening. You're making the assumption that I, I actually go out, which is a bold assumption. <laughs> but I definitely am not a, a person who spends a lot of time uh, preparing myself. It's oh, five minutes to go. Oh, I better throw throw on throw on you know whatever I'm going to wear. 
and uh, yeah. yeah throw on a shirt that isn't like actively dirty and then boom that's that's it that's the routine uh lindy where do you fall on this I got to say, I am much closer to the Greg side of it than the Rebecca side. I, uh, I'm, yeah, if I am leaving the house at night, I'm going to need a nap beforehand. Definitely relate to that. And I also just, I can't take the pain of all those things she is doing. (laughs) I cannot handle that myself. So, um, that's really not me. Um, so watching it is difficult, especially with the, with the blood and the, burn oh my gosh it's just i oh it's horrifying yeah they like i mean they did not like spare a lot of details in the graphics of this song um yeah and of course there is the 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 rap break which we'll get a call back uh at the end the the rapper coming in and being horrified by what he's saying and it says that he's forever changed after what he's just saying. <laughs> uh yeah like not my favorite bit of the whole show i have to say like you know especially like that end scene eh, i didn't do much for me no the the one thing that i uh sticks out to me about this song is like the fine the final one of the final lines is the this kind of non-sequitur body rolls are really hard which is just a line that comes out of nowhere has nothing really to do with the rest of the song but i think it's really emblematic of Rachel Bloom's sense of humor and the sort of lyrics that she will write, that sort of thing will pop up a lot in, in her songwriting, where she will just end end uh, end a verse on a line that's just kind of out of nowhere and doesn't fit the rhyme scheme and just kind of is just this random thing. And I almost always fall for it. It almost always cracks me up. So but it's one of those things that uh, just really jumps out to me again. Like this is, I think the song might not be my favorite of her songs, but at the same time, I remember whenever I was watching it, it really jumped out. At, I really jumped out at me as like, okay, I'm gonna like this show. This is a sort of you know, it's a musical. It's funny. It has a weird sense of humor that really vibes with me. And so in that in that aspect, I think I might have a, l- a little bit of nostalgia for the song, just for like going in knowing nothing about the show. And the first time I saw it, it kind of probably hit me harder than than it did you guys coming in, like expecting to be this, you know, hearing so much hype about it. And then the song was just eh, funny, but maybe not yeah. the, the greatest thing you ever heard. So I think think I'm probably a little bit higher on you guys, but I will agree that it's not one of my favorites. I think the song is well done. I just I just feel physically in pain when I see all the pain that she is going through. So that is what gets to me. But I, I think if I were just listening to the audio of it, that does raise it a little bit because then I don't have to see, you know, <laughs> see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah, I, it's like not quite as smart and witty as some of the other songs. Uh, you know, even like the opening West Covina song this episode, like it's very, it's much more repetitive uh, and not quite as like, you know, quick. Um, yeah, but still okay. She's just, she's getting ready. She's getting ready for the party. And then she's at the party. So she's standing with Greg at the party and she just keeps bringing up Josh. And you can tell that Greg is, you know, a little skeptical. Like, you know, uh, why does she keep talking about Josh? Um, But then she, you know, makes out with him and he's like, 
okay. Um, so they uh, they keep moving around the house, and while they are making out, Rebecca <laughs> keeps opening her eyes and looking for Josh. <laughs> oh, it's a hilarious sequence, but also is my first instance of not great Rebecca in my notes. <laughs> That was so funny. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it just hilarious. Uh, like their whole dynamic, it like cracks me up every single time I see it. Of like who has the power and who like has the influence. It's like all Rebecca. Greg is just like getting drug along at this point. Like, oh yeah, she's kissing me. This is amazing. But she's all like peering out. Where's Josh? Where's Josh? You know, I don't care about this person. I'm like kissing it all. Uh, it's just like so funny. And Greg is just like. He has nothing to do about it. This is like the best. This is like all he can do, right? Like he even says a couple times in that scene of like, man, as much as I really need this, like what is going on with Josh? Yeah. Uh, I like that he toasts to broken people and then the first yeah. drinks, uh, which I think is probably the most fitting toast for these two people to, to be toasting to broken people. And when he's asking about what's the deal with Josh, he's like, oh, yeah. I, I understand if you're interested in him because, you know, he's uh, handsome and built. He knows magic. Does that ever come up again that Josh Chan knows magic? I'm it, it does, yeah. Does it? Yeah. Excellent. I couldn't remember if that was just a, a weird throwaway line or if it actually would pay off later. Todd, so of I'm course not... Josh Chan knows magic. Like, <laughs> of course he's that guy that would know magic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's I'm sorry, really good. I, I won't take any magic slander on, on here sorry no magic magic does it for you i i do it myself yeah lindy is a magician tv lindy is the magician man if this pet. if this were like not a podcast we could really do some cool stuff here uh with magic uh I, sure. I would love to see some magic tricks from lindy one day that would be very fun um we also learn in this party sequence uh, that Josh has a girlfriend. Yes. So uh, Rebecca suggests that she and Greg go into a bedroom and uh, Josh isn't there either. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. And uh, Greg gets a text from Josh that actually he's not going to show up to this party. Um, you know, he's with his girlfriend and ooh, Rebecca is upset and it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> my my notes are all caps so uncomfy that is my note for this scene you guys were cracking up that whole time you were like uncomfortable i was like laughing so hard the whole time uh yeah that was like a, that was such a funny scene with them in the bedroom and greg was like I, it was like a really good indication of both of their characters and why I love like Greg just because like his character is like real. He like, you can clearly see his motivations and like what he wants versus like what he thinks is right in this moment. And like, you can also see Rebecca's motivations of like, you know, she's clearly like not in this, like she wants to get more information about Josh and is willing to like do anything to get that information, which is like not great. Like it's not good. Uh, but, like, Greg is in such an unfortunate position there. Uh, but ultimately, like, I don't know. I feel like Greg comes out of this first episode looking pretty good. Especially, like, from this uncomfortable scene and, like, how it resolved and ended. I mean, what do you guys think, like, that-wise? Oh, my, my, my end note for this scene is, all caps, good job, Greg. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty low bar. It's yeah, you can trip over that thing. But, yeah, but still, I mean, the fact that he is, even though right before this, his his line is, "I really need this." 
but for him to to re- recognize, okay, this this girl is in a horrible spot mentally, and I cannot take advantage of that, uh, definitely paints him in a good light. I mean, he may have let it go on a little too long, a little too far before he actually uh, finally shut it all down. But I, I agree that for this first episode, Greg comes out looking looking pretty good for me. But that's the two guys on the podcast uh, talking. Lindy, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, he does the right thing by by shutting it all down. But, you know, that should be the normal thing. So it's not like, you know, oh, he's the greatest guy. Look at what he's done here. It's just, you know, okay, good. You know, he's proven himself to not be, you know, a bad guy, a guy we're supposed to root against. He's like, okay, this is clearly something is going on with you this is not appropriate right now we just need to stop this um and i think it's also showing that you know rebecca is not gonna make good decisions when she is really upset about something that has become really clear right off the bat even regarding greg right like not even just like josh decisions we get like some wild josh decisions like at the start moving across the country uh, I guess that's under protest of whether or not that's a good decision or not. But like, you know, that's I don't think I would put it in the category of like amazing decisions. But even like with Greg, it's not just with Josh that she's making these questionable decisions on. It's just like overall. And so it's it's like an interesting uh, transition from like, is she just this way around Josh or because of Josh? Or is she just this way? Uh And so I like that. I like that as sort of the ending note here of this scene and a little bit of this episode. Yeah, I think it's clear that she she is this way, you know, regardless of the people involved. You know, I I think that's pretty clear from the get go here. So uh, Greg has offered to drive her home. So they're leaving the party. And who does Rebecca see here? It's Paula. (laughs) Creepy Paula. (laughs) Paula has showed up to this party because she knew Rebecca was here and she confronts her about Josh Chan and she yells, Josh Chan! (laughs) Josh Chan! Josh Chan! Are you here, Josh Chan? And uh, Paula reveals that uh, Rebecca has checked Josh's Facebook 63 times today. And his Instagram 18 times. Yes, um... But that also means that Paula has checked Rebecca's computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Uh, which one's worse? Just like quick gut check here. Which one's worse? Well, looking at someone's public Facebook page, I mean, that was a lot of times, but it's all public information. Or if she's friends with him, it's information that is technically shared with her. Whereas Paula, you know, is breaking onto Rebecca's computer. I do think that is technically worse obviously worse i think (laughs) uh, invasion of privacy yeah it's definitely paula paula is not being shown in a good light in this in this episode right there although i do have my notes paula should be a pi because she she does a lot of a a, a footwork and puts a lot of stuff together i Uh, mean she cracked that case in a day yeah i mean it took her no time at all to like get on top of that. I, I think it's pretty obvious from this episode that Paula needs something else in her life to to take up all of the energy that she has because her job is not doing it, and she needs something else to to put her, uh, admittedly, a uh, brilliant brain to 
you know, she needs something to focus on because what she has is not doing it. And so she spins out of control. The tone shifts pretty quickly, though, when Paula comes up, right? Like she get that big confrontation moment, but then the tone shifts. Yeah. So Paula's, you know, confronting Rebecca and she's like, you're obsessed with him. You love him. You moved here for him and you won't admit it. Why? And Rebecca responds. She says, I didn't move here for Josh because that would be crazy. And I'm not crazy. And then she's like, I'm crazy. Oh, my gosh. And Paula, yeah, it's like flipping a switch. Paula is like, you're not crazy. You're in love. <laughs> and that is like a, you know, obviously a major, uh, you know, kind of idea that is covered in this show. But it, it's just instantly Paula and Rebecca are friends. And, and you see it just right away. Paula just immediately switches from being against Rebecca to on her team. And she even says, you know, we can win this. I will yeah. help you win this win this war win this whole whole thing and she also is like what you did for love for true love i'm like paula you're making some big leaps on logic there that this what she's doing is for for true love uh yeah i mean huge leaps uh like wow uh but they do get this moment and it is again where we get our final song of the episode the reprise of west covina I i loved it I really loved it at the end there with just them two. Uh, like they had the choreography going in the back. Then it was just like a really stripped down silent version. Uh, that moment where you got to sort of hear them all clap on the ground when they fell down. Yes. It was great. I loved it. It was like so well done. So masterfully done. Yeah. the I, I love Paula's voice so much. I yes. love her voice so much. And I love a reprise. I love a reprise in a musical. And one of the things I love about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is they do bring these songs back and little, either just like little motifs in the background music, but you get all these callbacks to songs over the course of the whole series, uh, which is great. So it's like the whole series is just this one big long musical that brings back these reprises of songs from before. But yeah, the whole, the whole performance is great. Like you said, the party just collapsed and kind of like a Busby Berkeley shot from above mm-hmm. people flying in this geometric a pattern around them but you also have that big thunking sound as they hit the ground it's just it's a, a great little little sequence it's beautiful uh i t- i totally agree um but you know it ends with you know josh's name and the stars above them um but the song actually begins after um rebecca finally receives the response from josh and he yes. says want to grab dinner smiley face smiley face smiley face that's pretty suggestive i mean is it (laughs) is it lindy a smiley face (laughs) okay that's that's (laughs) the bar that's all it takes for you (laughs) i am i'm saying in this context it just seems it just seems like he's trying to say something that's just my opinion uh, okay, let's talk this through. I like want to get down into the thick of this here a little bit. Okay, you are, uh, gosh, okay, you're Josh Chan. You moved from New York. You see this girl you hadn't seen in a long time. Like a couple days later, she's texting you, and you send back a smiley face knowing full well you have a girlfriend. That's like, you think there's like subtext there? Like, are you reading subtext if you're Rebecca? Uh, Rebecca is 100% 
reading into this smiley oh, well, face. Rebecca I'll tell is, you that. but like Rebecca also moved across the country for this guy, so you know she's so, gonna read subtext into you know any it, anything there. But the question is, if you're Rebecca, but if this happened to you, yeah, I, uh, Lindy, someone texts you a smiley face in this situation, like you're getting. I'm not personally like if okay, someone gives okay. me a smiley face, I'm like, no, there's no subtext there. There's a lot of context involved in this. I'm just saying that, you know, he hasn't responded to her for, what, a whole day? Like a day, of, yeah, a day. day, day and a half. I believe um, it was 43, uh, 46 hours, I think, believe what she says. Doesn't matter, as a girlfriend, I texted him 46 hours ago. So, yeah, it's been nearly two days. That's actually kind of a long time, I have to say. Like, even as someone who, like, famously texts back pretty slow, I don't know, two full days? That's... And then you're responding with a smiley face? I think that's why it's so interesting to me because he took so long to say that. But maybe he's doing the smiley face to make up for not responding sooner. That feels like a very Josh Chan thing to do. He also... Everyone happy. You think Josh uses a lot of emojis when he texts? Is he a big emoji user? Yes. A lot of smiley faces there, winky faces, the tongue out face, all the, you know, all the classics. I could see him using a lot of those. Yeah, he could use a lot of those. I can see it. So, uh, you know, the end of end of this episode goes where Paula, Paula asks Rebecca, we don't see them, but we can hear them. She says, do you want to drive by his house? And Rebecca's (laughs) like, you know where he lives? And Paula says, this is going to be so much fun. And it really is going to be so much fun. It is. So much fun. It's going to be a blast. Again, I think that's showing this Paula, P.I. Paula, invasive Paula. She knows where Josh lives. And she knows a lot more than that. And it's going to know a lot more than that as the show goes on. Yeah. We don't get any like finale reaction from Greg here. Unfortunately, in the end, that was something I kind of wanted. Right. As Greg was like about to drive Rebecca home. Would have been interesting to like see that resolution there before, you know, Donna came in. But, you know, we live with it. We'll get there. We'll get more Greg stuff before Paula. (laughs) Oh, my God. Adam keeps Uh, calling her Donna. I do. Yeah. It's going to happen a lot more times. I'm I'm so bad with names. Her but name is Donald Champlin, so and she's yeah. incredible. Yeah, you made it through like a, a, quite a while without doing it. So I did, yeah. And when I go back and edit this, I'm gonna like put in Paula in that moment. <laughs> no, you're so, not. Uh, <laughs> so we all sound like crazy people. Like, what are you talking about? I said Paula. Come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that Greg moment at the end, but um, that's episode one. That's episode one, except for. The ending then scene which uh you alluded to before um but yes the uh the man from the sexy getting ready song is is calling um calling all these women to apologize for the way he has treated them and just you know crossing their names off of a list this didn't do anything for me i don't know about you guys maybe you guys liked it better than i did but this did nothing for me it was mildly amusing um I think that the one line where he's uh, apologizing to the one girl for making her wear the gold outfit <laughs> because a uh, it's, he now realizes that uh, metal conducts heat and was probably very uncomfortable. That line made me laugh, but most of it was just kind of like, yeah, definitely not not the best in credit scene. If 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 we were on community building a podcast from post show recaps, this would definitely be uh, streets behind. Yeah, not great, not my favorite. 
credits thing for me. But Lynn, do you disagree? I, I agree with Todd. I, I do also find it, you know, slightly amusing, but yeah, definitely not my favorite, but I think it's fine for this first episode. You know, it ties back into the middle of the episode, one of the songs, and it just ends it on a, a very light note. It does. Yeah. It actually, it definitely does end it on a light note instead of that, uh, you know, ending sequence we get with uh, Paula and Rebecca. That's a good point. Uh, but that's episode one. That is all of season one, episode one of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. However, our fun here is not done. At all. By a long shot. Lindy and I are both incredibly competitive people. That's that right. wasn't obvious at this point. And so, luckily, we have Todd here to not only mediate between the two of us when situations do arise, we also, every episode here, are going to be playing some sort of game against each other to prove uh ultimately that i will win most of them uh Lindy's then i will a, win yeah Lindy's. uh we'll see uh we'll see what happens but todd you have been tasked with potentially something quite difficult come up with a game for me and lindy to play every single episode do you want to tell us about it yeah so for this week's game we're doing a little quiz and since it's the First episode of the show, we're going to have a quiz about the reason why we're all here, Ms. Rachel Bloom. So I'm going to be asking you guys some questions about Rachel Bloom's uh, work and oh, no. uh, some things like that. So it's going to be a really, really short game, a really quick game. Uh, whenever whenever we first were talking about this, uh, the idea came up is like, should it be a cooperative game or competitive game? And Adam and Lindy chose violence, so they will be competing <laughs> against each other. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to alternate between you asking a question. Uh, it'll be a question, open-ended. If you get it without any hints, you get three points. If I give you the multiple choice options, you get you get two points. If you miss it any time, your opponent can steal for one point. So that's the way we're going to do. It's basically, I have four questions, and if it's tied at the end of four questions, I have a fifth question as a tiebreaker. So again, a really short game, but okay. uh, we'll and see. we got some Kalish math going here. I will have to like think through that at some point. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. What do we got, Todd? Who's All going right. first? So uh, we'll go alphabetically this first time, and next time we can uh, rotate around. Uh, but first time we'll we'll start off with Adam. Okay, winners first. I like it. Yeah, bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> again, they chose violence. <laughs> oh, Adam. The Rachel Bloom burst into the comedy scene when she released a YouTube music video on a well-known genre author's birthday, inviting him to have sex with her. For three points, what was that author's name? Oh, I am in such trouble for this game. Uh, I am going to have to have the multiple choice here. All right, so for two points, here are your options. A, Isaac Asimov. B, Neil Gaiman. C, Ray Bradbury. D, Stephen King. All right, and I need the question one more time. All right, so Rachel Bloom burst <laughs> onto the comedy scene when she released a YouTube music video on a well-known genre author's birthday, inviting him to have sex with her. What was the author's name? Uh, okay, I just, like, straight up don't know this question. I'm going to guess Stephen King. Nope. So I know Lindy, the answer. For one Can point. I steal this? Yeah. Oh, it's Ray my. Bradbury. It's Goodness. Ray Bradbury. It's it's actually the, the how I was introduced to Rachel Bloom whenever that video started circulating on Ray Bradbury's birthday. And the name of the song was Fork Me Ray Bradbury, only she didn't say fork. 
So yeah. So, so one, after one question, not a great I'm start. Yeah, not a great start. So, Lindy, for your question, in 2018, a famous TV actor tweeted out, "Who is this woman in the top hat backstage at the Tony Awards?" Because his son remarked that she says "like" and "oh my god" a lot. The woman was, of course, Rachel Bloom, who reportedly felt kind of devastated by tweets since she had met the actor numerous times while her husband Dan Greger was writing for the actor's TV series. Who was this thoughtless actor? This actor was Neil Patrick Harris. That is correct. Oh, this is going to be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bloom's husband, Dan Greger, was a story editor and writer for How I Met Your Mother. And in fact, had actually written the episode where Neil Patrick Harris says Barney met his father, which is one of the reasons why Rachel Bloom felt so hurt that he did not remember her at all because she had met him. And then even spent like a good amount of time visiting with him not too long before that. So next question, Adam. Yeah. Isaac's Girlfriend is not the only TV show Bloom has written music for. She also wrote a song for a musical episode of a typically non-musical series. What long-running show had its special episode graced by a Bloom original? Oh my goodness. I feel like this is a trap because there is like a famous show here. Uh, that both you and Lindy love. I don't even know if this is the right answer, but there's like a famous show here that both you and Lindy love and you keep referencing the musical episode of that show. I don't know if that's the correct answer, but I feel like I have to go for three points here as the score is like four to zero and I'm getting blown out of the water. Uh, Todd, for three points, give me Buffy. It is not Once More With Feeling. And <laughs> jo Joss Whedon did all the music and lyrics for uh, Once More With Feeling. And I think that would have been a little too early. Yeah, and it's also a little bit too early for... I don't know. I'm fa I famously have never seen Buffy, so this oh, is Oh, we got to change that. I know, yeah. Like it's, Add it's it to the list. list. It's already yeah. on the list. You put it's it on the list like a year ago, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Lindy, uh, for one point, I guess uh, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the options. Oh. For the one uh, point. Okay. Unless, unless you can answer without the options. I, I have to admit, I don't know this one, um, so I, I would like the options. Uh, the options are... The Flash, How I Met Your Mother, Psych, or Once Upon a Time? Uh, I don't know, but I'm kind of just going to go with The Flash. That's a great shot in the dark because it was indeed The Flash. Oh another, my gosh. Another CW series. All four of those shows did have musical episodes, uh, but The Flash was the one. Uh, Rachel wrote the song Super Friend, which is a play on the the Super Friends cartoon series. It was a crossover episode between The Flash and Supergirl where they were forced to sing by the villain Music Meister played by Darren Chris from Glee. Uh, it was not Rachel Bloom's best work, but it was still miles above most of the other songs on that musical episode, which I was not a big fan of. Wow. So I'm like trying to remember the musical episode from How I Met Your Mother and I am drawing a blank. They have a couple musical numbers, but I yeah, don't. I don't remember know the whole musical episode. episode, but they did have like a big musical number at the end of, of suits. One yeah, suits. Uh, lots They've also got all the Robin Sparkles music, so yeah, they, and you know <laughs> the slaps giving songs and everything. They've got it kind of sprinkled. They've throughout. got some music. Yeah, yeah. they've got some music. Yeah. Neil Patrick cares. So, <laughs> exactly. So at this point, it is a numerically impossible for Adam to win. We just love for that. Fun, yeah, just we do love that. <laughs> we'll ask the ask the next question. Uh, Lindy, 
Bloom has provided voice work in a number of animated films, including a direct-to-video DC superhero animated film in 2019. And as the resident comic book geek on this uh, podcast, I believe, I had to ask the DC superhero question. So what DC character did she voice in this animated film? (laughs) Oh, not even the title of the movie. I got to know the character. Yikes. Uh, Uh, I will need the options, please. Yeah. If I gave you the name, it would have given away the character from the options. That's why I had to had to avoid it. So the options are Lois Lane, Batgirl, Supergirl, or Wonder Woman. I'm going to go Batgirl. Wow, another great shot in the dark from Lily. Oh my goodness. What was this, like a, a six to one, six to zero route here? Something uh, like that? Seven. Was it seven? seven? To zero, actually. Oh my goodness. I got every question correct, and uh, you didn't get any. <laughs> I got none. I got none. This was a brutal start. So uh, the... Uh, the name of that directed video movie was Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that was, uh, that would have given away the Batgirl option as well. So I guess we don't need to go to the tiebreaker. We don't. Uh, what we do need to go to is the next quiz being all about musicals. I was uh, just about to say, we- uh, <laughs> one of my original ideas for the quiz, like, oh, well, I can just do the quizzes based on the musicals that inspired the numbers in the shows. But then apparently, Lindy's musical knowledge isn't as vast as Adam's by her own admission. Yeah, but now I feel like Adam should not be too confident about beating me in any type of trivia. Wow. Okay, bring on the musicals. (laughs) Let me sing South Pacific all day. Like, we can go that route if that's, like, what you want to do. I could name you so many Rodgers and Hammersmith musicals. Uh, Okay. Oh, that was a really fun game, Todd. Really well done. Well put together. You had some amazing questions in there. I am, like, not a huge nerd about Rachel Bloom. Like, I don't know a bunch of stuff about her. Uh, Lindy, obviously, like, you do. You're a, a fan. Yes, I love her. So, and, and you know, I love television. I love Rachel Bloom. So, this was perfect for me. Yeah, this was great. Uh, official score here, one to zero, Lindy. Lindy takes the opening point uh of the first game here well done congratulations thank you uh, i hope you enjoy it it will probably be your last that's uh all, <laughs> I, all i have to say here as we wrap up the game element really well done todd seriously really well done uh i'm having flashbacks game. of playing among us with adam the one time we played among us and adam is very <laughs> cutthroat and very competitive in that among us <laughs> having flashbacks now uh yes okay the final thing that we need to do here today on this podcast is rate the songs uh, that we have. And so the way that we're going to do this, we have uh, each song is going to be getting a score out of five pretzels. Uh, how many pretzels are we going to give each song? We had three songs this week. The first West Covina. I opened up strong full five pretzels. I loved it. Absolutely incredible opener. The context of the whole thing. We talked about it in that moment, but like, so good. Every line was quick-witted. It was just great, really smart, really funny. Full five pretzels for me. So I gave it a four. Um, I agree. It's amazing. Love it. But I just wanted to leave room in the future for giving fives to just my absolute favorites, ones that I will replay just in my day-to-day life, which does happen with my favorites. So I just wanted to leave room for, you know, the fives to go to just the incredible songs in my opinion so i gave this one a four fair enough and and i split the difference with the two of you i gave it a 4.5 i agree it's a great song but like lindy i also it's not like whenever i think of my favorite songs from the show i don't necessarily automatically think of it 
but it's a great song. It's a catchy song. I will find myself singing it randomly, but never I think about a song that I just, I love and will actively seek out to listen to. It's not necessarily one of those, but so I gave it a 4.5. Okay. Fair enough. Then we have the sexy getting ready song. I, you know, said during the episode, not like my favorite, but still pretty good. I have three pretzels for this song. Same. That's what I went for. It's a good song. Um, I think it's better when I listen to it just with the audio. Um, but just, you know, it's it's good. I like it. So that's why I gave it a three. And I gave it a 3.5. Again, I think nostalgia might factor in a little little bit for that one. Uh, but again, it's not not my favorite, not my least favorite. But just that the memory of it and seeing seeing that on the, on my TV, I was not expecting that to be the sort of musical this show was going to be, I guess. It kind of like, it caught me by surprise the first time I saw it and really cemented that this was a show I was going to want to keep watching. So I think that kind of bumps it up a little bit, just uh, the memory of that first episode watch back when it first came on. Yeah. And then our final song, The Reprise of West Covina. Uh, upon further inspection, I really, really love this song. Can you talk through it? Sort of that choreography at the end. And then also something we didn't say in the moment, the end of the episode with that song on sort of like this low toned down song. You would think of like the premiere, they're going to go big. They're going to, you know, have this big chorus at the end. And it was just nice and light and really great. I have four pretzels. I went 3.5. It's beautiful. You know, well done. I think for me, it's, it's not as long as, you know, a full length song. Um, so I, I, I don't think I've ever sought it out to listen to on its own, but when I was rewatching this episode, I was like, oh, I, I do really like this. So. Yeah. I also went up giving it uh, four pretzels. I just, again, I love, I love Paula's voice so much. And just from a visual thing, like the camera spinning around them as they're doing that really quiet last verse and the people collapsing, just just as an experience, it's just a wonderful thing. Again, it's not something I would necessarily seek out to listen to, but it's beautiful to listen to. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a four. Yeah. Uh, okay, that puts West Covina as our top-rated song at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, going forward. The other thing that we're going to do here, each of us are going to say, which character made us truly happy? As happy as butter. Uh, from this episode and it's no secret who I'm giving my truly happy to it's got to be Greg Greg made me truly happy this episode really funny uh, just an amazing episode for me I'm gonna have to go with the person who made me truly happy in this episode is Rebecca I mean she is the star of this she we're introduced to her she's interesting she is gonna take us on this whole journey so I just felt at the beginning here I just have to go with her yeah, fair enough. Okay, I, I totally get that. Uh, Todd, who made you truly happy? Like you, Adam, Greg is the one who made me truly happy. I have a, a deep love for the snarky, self-effacing character for some reason. I don't know why uh, yeah. that sort of thing would, <laughs> would resonate with me. But yeah, Greg, fully formed character from the get-go and just that whole scene where they first meet and he's just like oh you're ignoring me you're you're perfect for me and the toast to broken people just every line he says is either hilarious or kind of sad and just 
I, I lo love this introduction to his character. And, you know, Rebecca is definitely very close second because she is, you know, again, the, the center of the episode. But when it comes to characters that just made me laugh more than anything else, I think Greg is a character that that made me truly happy this episode. Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, this will be really interesting to track to see how, where the characters line up and who is making us uh, truly happy throughout these four seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, and I think with that, that is episode one of the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that we have gotten through. Uh, this was such a blast to get to go through uh, this first episode. I'm like really excited to see where it goes, really excited to get everyone's thoughts on characters as they progress, about all the relationships that are formed, the storylines that happen, all the really funny jokes that are about to come up, uh, and even more excited to get to do it with both of you. Uh, this has truly been great. Uh, Lindy, where can people find you? Where can people see what, what, what you're up to? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TVLindy, T-V-L-I-N-D-Y. Um, that's about it. So, Okay, yeah, go check her out. Uh, Todd, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Librarian Todd because Todd the Librarian was too many characters for a name. So at Librarian Todd. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, if you were online this weekend, you might have seen both Adam and myself participate in a 40 hour long, over 40 hour long Dungeons and Dragons marathon for the post show recaps patron discord where we raised over $6,500 for charity. Uh, and that video is currently available at twitch.tv slash DM Philly and it will eventually be up on Philly's YouTube page. So if you like D&D and you want to hear more of uh, Adam and myself, I played a character in the in the very first game of the marathon, Adam is played a character in the very last game, as well as being a dungeon master for the game right before that. So it was a lot of fun. It was horribly exhausting. The fact that Adam and I are both conscious and able to string together coherent sentences right now is an amazing thing. But uh, as far as plugs go, that's the only thing that I've been in recently that I would like to plug. Yeah. Uh, you know, come check us out on the Post Show Recaps Discord, uh, patreon.com slash recaps $10 a month. You can come check us out. We're there all the time. We're playing Dungeons & Dragons. I am one of the Dungeon Masters. Lenny, we need to get you in the D&D games. Uh, it's going to happen at some point. Uh, I'm scared. I I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's okay. We'll help you. That's the whole thing. There's so many people there. We have like 60 players. We'll definitely get you in. This goes out to any of you who don't know uh, you know, what D&D is, we'll get you in there. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're both there a ton. It was a ton of fun. 40 plus hours. We're almost at like $7,000 for chair. It's like insane how much money we've raised. It's amazing. The community there is great. Um, the other places you can find me besides there are on Twitter, Piano and Adam. Uh, there might be a one on the end of that. I don't know. There's uh, a one. There's a one on the end of that. I um, like how I knew that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Again, know winning at the trivia. <laughs> wow okay oh my goodness oh my uh goodness. the other place you can check me out i've been uh on a couple episodes of chad the dm sponge podcast pants uh where we're talking spongebob over there uh you can also hear my thoughts on loki and uh black widow uh over at stark wars with uh touchdown tommy pizzula uh he's an incredible great friend uh and then i was also on the most recent episode of ya uh, with Kevin Madeo and Melissa Woodward talking Twilight. So if you want to get my takes on Twilight, 
uh that would be a ton of fun go check that out uh and then you'll get to see me on community building uh coming up here this next episode talking the first episode of season two i'm not 100 sure when this is gonna drop but community building on poster recaps you can come uh check me out there it's gonna be so much fun i'm super excited to get to do that uh and of course the next episode of one indescribable podcast next week come check us out this is going to be great we're so excited to get to do this so excited to get to talk through all four seasons and i think with that this is where we leave you for today of season one episode one of one indescribable podcast thanks for listening